I don't know how to begin this, but this is our first uh, trial at doing this kind of uh, series of uh, discussions on applied channel theory. Um, the goal is to just have a lot of discussions with, uh, between Dr. different apprentices. So we'll be talking with hopefully all the apprentices outside of uh, China and maybe some of the ones in, in China too, just discussing different cases or different topics related to applied channel theory. So this is the, the first one, part one, the first episode of this, uh, I don't know what we're going to call it, uh, discussions, Jason? Yeah, discussions on applied channel theory. Okay. So this is number one of it. So we're the main first discussion today is with Jason Robertson, who's in Seattle, and I'm uh, in Beijing. And where our idea was, where we were just talking about this is like... And introduce yourself, of course, is Jonathan Chang in Beijing. <laughs> Jonathan, yeah. yeah, in Beijing, yeah. Right. Go on. Sorry. So today, we're, we're, the main goal is like, what I was interested in asking Jason was like, what was, the, what was your eureka moment that got you attracted to a doctoral system of applied channel theory? Like either what maybe what you observed or maybe from your own experience, what made you like attracted to this system? Well, um, I think like so many people who start studying applied channel theory, uh, what was jumps out at anyone as one of the most unique things about the approach Wang Ji uh, used in, in the practice of acupuncture was that he was running his thumbs along the distal channels looking for diagnostic clues in a very rigorous and methodical way, which is kind of different than the way you see a lot of other acupuncturists work. And I was uh, actually watching him in the clinic in Beijing and I, I'm, I'm not sure which, which clinic we were in. I just remember him doing it. He was palpating very, very carefully in a dermatology case. It was actually a, a, like a systemic psoriasis case. And he was palpating all on the channels. And he didn't just like jump right out to like, you know, using liver five or, you know, to clear toxin from the blood or, you know, using uh, even lung five or gallbladder 31 or points sometimes we think of as dermatology points. He was going through this process that looked like uh, there was a lot going on in his head that was combined with what he was doing with his hands. And that was, that was the first thing that got me really interested. I saw you know, this obvious manual skill that I didn't have. And that, that was the first thing. Um, I don't know, John, what, what about you? I mean, you were, I think you first met Dr. Wong, in fact, as a patient, right? So you were receiving this palpated right, skill, right? Right, right, I was, I was completely new to the system. So I think from you, you, when, you were, when you saw Dr. Wong, when you came to Beijing, right, you were, had already practiced for a year or two, like you had finished. Yeah, I practiced for a couple of years by then. So I think your your perspective would have been completely different from mine because when I yeah when I first met Doctor Ong, I was a student. I'm not a student. I was his patient, getting like yeah. needle do 19 for the first time and not having any clue what was going on. But then later, then you know when Did I got you into, even had acupuncture before that. A long time ago, I had with um, my dad. He actually studied some acupuncture back in. 1970s in Taiwan <laughs> and he did acupuncture on you yeah he did some acupuncture on me but it was like with like electric stimulation and things like that so right. it was very uh not classical approach so I, but it was all new to me but when I remember like later when I became a TCM student and then studying with Dr. Wong the reason why I studied with Dr. Wong is like kind of like um I think there were some American students there and they were always like oh you guys study with Dr. Wong because um, because of palpation, like that was the only thing they focused on. Is like because you have to learn his channel palpation, and then like what you're, I think you're, what you're alluding to is that what later what I realized was that you know over the years I studied with him it was it's not just about channel palpation, right? It's this entire system that's 
that's very complex and quite uh, comprehensive. But like channel flippation or channel examination is just one aspect of it, one very important aspect of it. And I think you and I have noticed that in the process of teaching this material, uh, you know, in China or around the world, um, often, uh, especially acupuncturists, I think, have been in practice for a little while. They kind of go in the same direction I did, I think, when I first met Dr. Wong. And you figure what you want to do is just learn this palpatory skill. And that's really what you're trying to learn. Yeah. And it took it actually took me a long time to realize that it's, it's that the, you know, the palpation is just a part of the diagnostic process, let alone the theoretical underpinnings of how you go about choosing points or conceptions of what the channels are. And I, I, I mean, are you having that same issue in China? You guys are teaching it, I guess, pretty methodically there. But yeah, maybe it's more acupuncturists. Sometimes you see this. Yeah, I think like that's I think when a lot of people and even when they talk about Dr. Wong in China, too, I think at least the people we have met, I think because the way they we have been like the first course we always teach is always channel examination, right? How to physically palpate the channels. So I think for a lot of people, that's a lot of their first focus is on like hoping that, you know, that this will give them an immediate results in the sense that they will really, once they palpate the channels, they'll know exactly what's going on with the patient. They'll know exactly right away, like which points to use and so on and so forth. And you'd be able to immediately tell, you know, like how many treatments they need. And like, as they see it as like this kind of magical kind of method of, uh, not just examination, but like completely uh, guiding you along, like as a giving you like a kind of guidebook, like a recipe, <laughs> kind of telling you how the patient should respond and everything. But I think so that we do encounter patients, uh, not patients, I mean students too, who hope, you know, they'd be like, oh, if I find a, a nodule at lung five, that means the patient has this illness. But usually we have to tell them that, no, that's, that, that's not the case, right? That, it's more complex than that. So hopefully, like I mean, what yeah. we're trying to do in China, I think what we're trying to do now overseas is try to teach it more systematically, right? Like using channel examination as the first step to like an entire series of courses that goes, like with each course going deeper and deeper into the system. And it does bring up kind of two sides to this discussion about it being more than palpation. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I absolutely over this time have appreciated that I needed to get the understanding of, of, of the whole system in my head to get much better clinical results. But on the other hand, on the other hand, people who have experience, even just palpating can help shape whatever acupuncture approach you have. So I, I mean, I can, it, it's like, it's hard to kind of find the right angle on this because um, for people who come probably in China, even they, some people I'm sure just come for that one course and end up not coming for some of the follow-up courses and they take that away. So that is, a, that is part of it. But for anyone who's kind of just getting into this material, um, you can use it, I guess, kind of immediately, but just know that there's so much more out there to learn. And there's, there's uh, in other, and I think really what it comes down to is this, John, and I'm sure you, you noticed, I mean, you and I have been doing this now long enough where we kind of absorb this and we forget to, to tell this to new students sometimes yeah. is pretty quickly when you're doing palpation, you're overwhelmed by finding too much information. Yeah. So that's really where you need to get the, a lot of the other the other kind of theoretical underpinnings and Dr. Wong's way of thinking in your head, because you, you can't just put needles on all the channels where you find changes. Like it's by the end of those weekends you're teaching, the students are feeling too much often. Don't you notice that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they then what at least is like over analysis is overthinking, over philosophizing about like each individual case. Like oh, I think it's the tying and yaming and the shawing and shawing, and then you become more confused, right? But then there's like Dr. Ron has a very clear way of trying to like clarify your way of interpreting what you're finding. 
And that's, you know, like we talked about, like, it's mentioned in your book too, like methods of like channel differentiation, methods of channel selection, uh, and so on and so forth. So well, there's a way to clarify your, your interpretation. Yeah, that's interesting you said that, that uh, the temptation is to think there's all four channels or three channels going on at once and try to make a beautiful story. And over time I've gotten, and I definitely have fallen into this and still do sometimes, mm -hmm. but what it, it seems like the most effective thing is just to make yourself come to one channel in your yeah. diagnosis and then think of it as like it's unfolding and the other channels may show up. But for that week, that's the channel. And that's where you have to go through the kind of uh, the mental process that Dr. Wong described. It really helps you get to that one channel more quickly. Right, yeah. Right. So that, that tendency to have multiple channels in your head is I, you phrased it really well. I hadn't thought of that, but I, I realized that's something I've struggled with too over the years. Yeah, I think it's something we all run into, right? It's like, because I think for me, it's also like the one is overthinking also is like not having enough confidence to be like Dr. Wong to just choose that one channel system. Like, I'm just going to use Tyene and that's it. <laughs> and like to right. trust that, you know, these four needles are these are, that's enough. That's all they need. Or like, you know, that's for me, it's to develop that confidence and believing that, you know, just regulation of this one channel system will be enough for that patient who seems to have like yeah. a very severe illness. Like... <laughs> I think for me, it's a process. I think it's a process. Yeah, and that and process is a good way to put it. I, I, one way to get past that is to remember that you're just doing one channel this week and that you still might even perceive that there's other channels going on through your palpation and diagnosis and that you kind of have to have a more methodical approach where in multiple visits, then you can, you can address the other things you're seeing, but just not trying to do it all at once. And that, that's a challenge for me. And I'm sure it's a challenge for everyone yeah. throughout the history of acupuncture is just trying to do too much at once. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I recently, like we were, we just went to Guangzhou and we we're teaching a bunch of, nurses like t nurses who work in tcm hospitals but mm. these nurses i think them, they're not allowed to use acupuncture so they're using what they call wider which is like external tcm methods so the main yes. method they have been using is gua sha mm. so when i look at the original like i met some of them before they took the course and, um, so usually when they do gua sha they just do gua sha on all the channels all over the body so if you look at the person's body they're <laughs> All bruised, like it's they're purple. Red. They're just purple. They're not just red. They're like purple and black. Are like, they only doing distal channels? Or are they doing? Like, uh, they're pretty much everywhere. It seems like like front, back, arms, legs, and not differentiating back. for this case. We're focusing no. on this zone, no. even right? No, no. So now, but like for like the more rigorous students, that like people have been really interested in this this you know Doctor One's channel theory system. They've been focusing more on just like one channel system or two channel systems or mm -hmm. they do still do more, but like they're reducing it compared to like using, doing all 12 channels or every channel. Um, and they also are more accurately locating the channel system. So for them using Gua Sha, they get much better results because they're locating the channels better. Um, so but there some of these students, some of them have all, like you went recently yeah, and then some of them have studied with you before and noticed that it makes a difference to kind of yeah. focus yeah, sorry. on yeah. this is our, yeah, it's our second time to Guangzhou. So we met some of the, the older students from the previous course uh, this time too. But it's interesting though that like, because their approach is different from us as acupuncturists. We're in acupuncture, we're just trying to pick within that channel that one point or two points, right, that we're going to regulate. But for them, they're just right. regulating the entire channel system. Like, like they'll do lung five all the way to lung nine, right? All the way to like maybe even lung 10, that region. So everything is being 
regulated. But then they get really good results, like at least from what they've been reporting to us and been treating lots of illnesses. Well, that does bring up one interesting thing that I've noticed uh, over the years as a broad concept mm-hmm. is that there are, you know, if, you know, maybe we're getting a little bit off our original subject here, <laughs> yeah, but it's okay, so, yeah. to, it's okay to maybe go there for a few minutes because we're trying to talk broadly today. Um, there's certain cases, um, maybe it's a new patient, maybe it's a chronic illness, maybe it's just a strange illness, where um, as, if, if we think of the acupuncture channels in the way Dr. Wong described as essentially river systems moving within the spaces of the body, fluid systems, uh, and I use this metaphor even when describing to patients what we're doing in the clinic, mm-hmm. there's certain situations where like the whole river is full of silt, like the whole yeah. river is just unresponsive. And there's an argument, especially maybe for the first couple of treatments, early stage, to kind of just dredge the whole river open. And, and you know, that's, you know, as you remember, when we watched Dr. Wong work, sometimes he would be palpating on the lung channel for five minutes. You know, like yeah. we would think, like, is he spacing out or what's going on? And he was just working that channel. And I think what he was doing in a lot of ways was kind of like what you're saying with Gua Sha, He was dredging the entire river as a step before he got to needling. And so you can see, I mean, sometimes I, I spend a little more time palpating and I've even had a couple cases. Now, I haven't done this a lot, but it does bring up what you're saying is even a very light cup with some oil on the channel on a certain okay. visit and then come to the needling or something. So this idea then of the channels as rivers helps you get to maybe why Gua Sha, especially in early stages or difficult cases, might be mm-hmm. a great way to start so that the river is open and then the individual points seem to work better. I don't know if you've noticed that or if you've had other students there talk about it that way? I think they're like those, um, like we've also met in China, a lot of these like Tuina uh, doctors now too, who they're doing like channel Tuina. So like they use like, yeah. like there's this one guy who's like, who's been doing just Dr. Wong's like palpation technique as a massage technique. And he just, instead of us, you know, usually we'll just palpate the channel like a few times, right? And then we'll go on to the next channel. But for him, he'll yeah. do like, use it as a treatment method. So he'll palpate that one channel for like 20 minutes, just going back and forth, back, like just up and down, up and down, up and just doing that. So for him, I think really he says like, the river. yeah, yeah. And like dredging and blocking, moving, trying to get rid of the lumps or nodules and stuff like that. And like, you know, he claims that, you know, he's getting very good results too. And there's that other guy that you guys all met, uh, uh, Liu Zheng, right? Like with the humongous thumbs, like the biggest thumbs. Yeah. In the world. Yeah. Yeah. And he does his, he has his own special technique of massage, channel massage down the, especially down the Taiyang pathways on the back, right? The first and second lines. He just kind of, he says he like presses and like kind of moves his way down the channel space along the foot Taiyang channel. But for him, he describes it like he's moving the chi, like he can actually feel the chi moving down the channel mm. space. He's, he's partially blind. So he's very sensitive hands and he can feel like the fluids or when he, I think what he, what Dr. Wong called like, you know, the, uh, the body fluids or whatnot, like moving down those little, the channel spaces too. So he feels like he's like yeah. really dredging it, moving it down. And then he feels like once it gets to certain areas, which he calls like, I forget what he calls it, but pretty much once it reaches a certain acupuncture point, then that blockage will be released or that chi will be released from that point, an exit point. So he, that's how mm. he describes it. So I think it's kind of a similar idea of like dredging downwards and he gets pretty, he gets really good results too, I think. So this, again, coming back to what we were saying at the beginning then, it's this delicate statement we want to make to, you know, to you guys who are listening that 
palpation and going through the channel rivers or dredging the channel rivers or however we want to think about it is absolutely a crucial and important part of applied channel theory. But there's like, there is a, there's a kind of, I don't want to say another level, but there's, there, there's just that reality that often there is too much going on when you palpate that yeah. you need a theoretical underpinning so that you can untie the kind of difficult clinical knots. Yeah. And that could even be, you know, that can be internal cases or even musculoskeletal cases that are chronic as well. So, yeah, so it's, yeah, so for those studying, yeah, learn the palpation, of course, and you can use it individually, but don't stop there, I guess, is the kind of big point we wanted to make, I think, for this first little yeah. bit. I think what you're talking about is very important, too, because, like, I think for a lot of cases where if you use, for example, like, for acupuncturists, we might just decide if you feel a lot of, like, stagnation along the channel, we might just use, like, a hussy point just to dredge, right, and to move things. Mm -hmm. But I think what Dr. Wong would always emphasize is that we still have to do proper symptom pattern differentiation, right? So even though you might feel a lot of like nodules going all the way up the channel, it doesn't mean that for every case you just use the hussy points. You don't just dredge all the time, right? Because they could have signs of deficiency. In those cases, we don't, we're not going to use like the hussy points all the time, right? Sometimes you still have to tonify instead. So I think that's where it gets more complex. And that's where like, I think the beauty of Chinese medicine and medical theories like comes out, right? Um, yeah, well, that uh, brings up another thing that I think new students encounter is we're also not trying to just figure out which channel is bumpiest yeah. and then treat that channel. Yeah. That would be a temptation. And cases of excess and certain types of relatively simple musculoskeletal conditions, that might be an appropriate way to start. Mm -hmm. But what you're saying, when there's deficiency, often you're stunned by when you go to uh, you know, treating the underlying emptiness that the excess begins to resolve on its own. It's like you kind of upregulated the whole body system. So it gets rid of those channels that are very congested without such kind of gross manipulation that we're saying like cupping or gua sha. So that's, that's two sides of this. Yeah, deficiency is a whole trickier thing, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Cause like recently just for, I had this patient with a uh, back pain and it's like chronic back pain for 25 years, but her, the way she described her pain at the beginning was like very sharp pain. So I thought it was like excess mainly. And she had lots of right. like foot tie on channel changes, like lots of nodules, lumps and all that stuff going all the way up the channel. A lot of like those little like stagnant blood collaterals or whatnot. So I was doing, you know, bleeding and like some tie on points, like bladder 65 uh, points like that. And she was getting better. Like that acute pain was that pain that she was always feeling was getting better. And like she could, uh, but she would mainly feel pain when she was lying down, like after like regulating the time. But then I did this one treatment where I still regulated the time, but then her symptoms got worse again. <laughs> ah. And then, then I realized that was actually like, there was like this on the surface, or you could say there was excess deficiency together. So once the first few treatments actually got, probably got the excess moving and got rid of it. But the underlying right. deficiency was just there that I ignored. So when I still tried to like dredge and drain, it made it, you know, everything worse. Because she says too much deficiency in the root. So then once I switched to regulating the kidney channel, right? Like kidney three, kidney 10, then her symptoms started to get better again. Like even improved uh, significantly. So I think for me, that was a case where like, you know, based on palpation, if I only focused on Taiyang, then I probably would only have achieved a certain amount of uh, effectiveness. So by switching to like the, it's paired like in channel to tonify, that's when everything started to show significant improvement. Which so I think yeah, that's, brings yeah. up, it brings up such an interesting idea that, you know, this is a debate, I think, probably throughout the history of Chinese medicine mm -hmm. uh, about when you have excess and deficiency together, uh, there are certain approaches where, you know, you, you treat the deficiency first. But I always, I, I found clinically kind of like what you're describing, that 
in most cases, maybe it's modern patients are like a little more just excess in general or overtonified by nutrition or something that <laughs> like gardening, it's, it's often better to start with excess, like ripping out the weeds and plow it under. And then you get that like 70, 80% improvement where you might need to go to deficiency second. And right, so right. I, I don't know if you found this to be the case, but, and then maybe the patient population is different, but I generally treat excess first um, in the case, and then deficiency later if, it, if it's needed. Uh, of course, there's all kinds of exceptions, and it depends, et cetera. But, yeah, that, that's a cool case. And using kidney 3 and kidney 10, too, using the source C combination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, and also REN6, like, because at first realized, thinking that, like, I should just only need the local back area where she had the pain. But realizing that mm. wasn't helping, it was actually making it worse. But once I went to, like, like helping the lower abdominal area and finding this huge lump at REN6, <laughs> like, yeah. deep down, and, like, pressing on it, she was like, ah, and then needling it. And then doing some moxa, like, you know, she, she got much better. So, I've, you know, you, you see these cases every day, right, in the clinic where, like, you can't stick to very rigid approaches, right? Like, I think that's why I think the beauty of channel palpation, too, helps to give you a lot of different options to treat a patient. It opens up, you know, like, I don't know, it gives you a deeper understanding of each person's individual constitution, too, I think. Yeah, yeah. And with that idea of, again, treating one thing at a time if you can too. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think like, yeah, just like, okay, like with this case, especially like if I had only focused on the tie-on and because there's so many significant nodules, I probably, I don't know if it would have, in the long run, I don't think it would have helped her as much. So I think like what we're I saying did. is like the proper yeah. pattern differentiation, channel differentiation is really important. Um, well, I mean, this could be an interesting place to end this first discussion about, <laughs> uh, just the very basic concept of not only focusing on palpation, but, but, but using this as a way in for whatever diagnostic or whatever skill in acupuncture you already have, and then trying over time to weave in more of Dr. Wong's theoretical understandings so that you can approach more difficult cases over time. Right. Can you answer what my la the second part of my question is that your own Eureka moment, like the first time that you ah. used this and you were like, Oh, this is amazing. <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe you didn't have that <laughs> response. I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, the thing is, uh, I would say, I mean, the first year I was studying with Dr. Wong, I was watching him treat, and I wasn't treating my own patients because I was in Beijing, and Dr. Wong wasn't letting me needle his patients at mm -hmm. that time at all. So I had, a, I, I had, like, a lot of it grow in my head before I had a chance like I was already kind of convinced that I was needed to do this before I got back to the United States to see my own patients. So um, I can't right now come up with that Eureka moment. That's, I wish I could like lay it out there. I mean, I, of course, every day now I have moments where I was thinking one thing and I was convinced I was going to do this yeah. or that because, oh, this reminds me of that patient. And then I start palpating. I'm like, no way. I'm totally going yeah, a different yeah. way. So it definitely checks your own tendency to overthink things when you yeah. start palpating. It gets you, you know, like I love to say, and I know you, you've said too probably, is get out of your head and into your hands. And so it's been, and I tend to get in my head way too much. So it's good for me that way. But I can't remember right now the Eureka moment because I saw so many cool cases with Dr. Wong before I got back. I was already kind of on board. Right, right, right. So it's like kind of like you already had this like absorption, daily absorption of like the benefits of using this entire system right when you were studying with well them. i had the benefits of actually you're right to ask that yeah. because i had the benefits of using the palpation but even after that first year with dr wong uh 
it really took another three years for me to get further into the theoretical background of what, like, what was going on in his head. And I think part of it was Dr. Wong at that time was like really at the beginning of being able to explain what was going on in his head. And so I think although he had it in his brain and it was the way he was working, his ability to describe it to students kind of grew in those first few years. And so my, my approach at first was in a way just using the palpation without as much of the theoretical background. And then I kept going back to Beijing and studying with Dr. Wong. And I think he was just spending a lot of time trying to figure out how to describe this to students, to take us through the door, to like get into an experienced clinician's head. And thank goodness he took the time to try to lead people through the door to kind of get in his way of thinking. And, and it, so, yeah, at first I, was, I made the same mistake I think a lot of new students of this material do is that I only focused on the palpation. Of course, another mistake uh, new students often do is to only focus on the point pairs and think if they just learn all the point pairs and don't focus on what the channels are and careful differentiation of, of patterns and location of points, then they're gonna get those results as well. And that, that could probably be a whole other discussion we could have as well. It's a big, big discussion too, definitely. Yeah. And just a the side note, like Dr. Arnold always told us like, you know, like, like later on, like after you know you had returned to the states and everything, he always told us that like it was like when you guys started going coming to Beijing in like the early two thousand period, like you you were the ones that like inspired him to continue to get deeper and deeper into applied channel theory too. So it was kind of like an inspiration for him to continue doing his research. Was came started, you know, not started, but it was like you know further inspired by like your visits and bringing all those students over. I think that's like well, that discussion. I mean, think I mean, now that you and I are trying to learn to teach this material and seeing yeah. patients on our own and developing our own clinical experience, imagine if someone told you, all right, you got a group of 12 students coming. They're going to be with you right, for right. two weeks and you're going to have to give three hour lectures or four hour <laughs> lectures every morning for yeah. two weeks. I mean, that must have been intense pressure. I haven't thought about how he kind of laid it on him there. Of course, he had it in his head, but still yeah. the pressure to make a curriculum right, yeah, right, right. was it's really cool. I, hadn't, I Only now that I'm on the other side of that bridge a little bit and teaching myself do I realize how that was a lot of pressure on him to make him explain it. But thank goodness, right? Because we, yeah, yeah. He, I think he was, of course, glad he did it too, like you're saying. Yeah, especially. Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, like he always said that he learned a lot. Like the inspiration, like the students, the questions they asked, so he also learned a lot from that experience teaching too, right? Like for him, it was a great way to develop his own like understanding of channel theory too. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's ask the viewers to potentially join <laughs> us for another one of these discussions and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll stop here for today. Yeah. Thank you guys for being here. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs>